20. Day 578. I was just going to say that. You were? Not that. 578? But maybe. Maybe. But I don't some know. crazy number. Because honestly, I don't I don't know. No, I've stopped counting. I don't know what day it is. I don't know what time it is. I'm sure you guys all can relate whether you are in Texas with us or across the country. Or maybe you are in Nashville, which is where our special guest today is coming from. And so, guys, we are just going to jump right in because I know this person very intimately. She's one of my best friends. And I just think she has so much wisdom to share. And so I don't want to waste time talking anymore because I have nothing left to say. <laughs> Actually, we'll say really quickly. Say what note. I'm wearing. No. Because <laughs> we should tell them that. No. I was going to say that you and I tried to do like a mini episode before this and we had no words. No, we literally were like, okay, we'll do a podcast first and then we'll do the podcast with our friend. And we looked at each other and we we're like, what do we have to say <laughs> yeah, compared to last time? Life has been the same for like five weeks. So here's our mini episode, guys. We're still in shelter in place. <laughs> we're still in our homes and I still look homeless. So all that being said, Daniela, Woo! welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Daniela? Daniela? Are you there? This was so anticlimactic. Guys, we found Daniela. I'm here. She's here. Just some technical <laughs> difficulty probs. Which we were going to re-record the intro and I was like, absolutely not. This no, is the best part great. of our episode. It's um, like when you like introduce somebody on stage and then they just don't come out. <laughs> that was me. So, we're like, and? Daniela, one more time, spotlight on Daniela. Oh, <laughs> oh, Daniela, we are so glad you're here with us today. We're gonna give a little backstory first of how we know you personally, and then we'll share professionally why we're just like so excited you get to share your story with us. But personally, I have known Daniela since the eighth grade. Yeah, we met in middle school. I remember you at your bottom locker with your really long hair at Dawson Middle School being introduced to you and I remember us just from that point on getting to be in choir together classes together and then we ended up going to college together being roommates our freshman year in college and there's a whole like funny backstory to that as well um Daniela's mom was my voice teacher and one of the most influential women of God in my life um before I knew Holy Spirit I didn't know what a prophetic person was or somebody who operated in that way but she spoke so much encouragement and wisdom into my life and just was always the voice of the Lord to me, honestly. And so I had the utmost respect for her. And so when we were getting ready to go to college, Danielle and I were like not friends in high school, which I'm sure she will share. <laughs> not that we weren't friends. We just weren't like close friends. Right, right, right. Um, but we were friends, but we didn't hang out with the same people. But so obviously being the bratty Cammy that I was in high school, when <laughs> I find out we're both going to Belmont, your mom was like you guys need to be roommates and I was like why would we be roommates like we weren't <laughs> friends in high school so why would we be friends in college and 
finally your mom, I could just tell that it was one of those. I always called them like her God things because I didn't know what else to call it at the time in my life. I had no vocabulary for it, but I could just tell it wasn't just a mom saying you guys should be roommates. It was like her speaking from the Lord. And so luckily I listened and I'm so thankful because we ended up being roommates our freshman year. And I'm sure Danielle will share some part of this in her story. But unfortunately, um, our freshman year in college, her mom actually passed away from cancer and it was unexpected and, and fast. And it was one of those things that, again, losing someone I, as a mom, I can't even imagine, Danielle, what you walked through and how incredibly you handled the entire thing. But even I so looked up to and just was like, I don't understand, but we kind of got to have each other through that process. And through that and being roommates, we became best friends. And it's one of those things now where I'm like to think that we, I thought that we shouldn't be roommates is like the saddest thing in my life because I cherish like we have so many memories from that year and just um, the depth of our friendship and all of those things and um and so since then that was uh aging us right now that was about 11 years ago is that correct maybe more but maybe we more. don't have to talk about that a long time ago and we've been best friends ever since so we've known each other for so long and walked through so many seasons um and so, yeah, I, I, I told Daniela, I want her to share, well, I, I guess you can kind of just share like your version of us knowing each other, but there's a funny story that I'm making her share because when we were freshmen in college, she would like tell everyone this story. And I finally had to sit her down and be like, Daniela, you cannot tell people this story. You are making me sound like Regina George. Like, no one wants to be my friend anymore. Well, okay. So first of all, I remember that story a little differently than what you just told I didn't know that you Wait, I want to hear at it. one point you didn't want to be my roommate oh no <laughs> <laughs> these are my confessions because <laughs> well, the uh, last thing that what I remember is you were one of the people trying to convince me to go to Belmont so we could be roommates so this is hilarious because you uh, this is amazing this is coming this out is, right now yeah so by the time that had happened, my mom, mom had already had laid already the had groundwork. Like six with you. months of conversations. Oh, totally. Because I was, you know, once a week taking voice lessons with her, and your mom knew you were supposed to go to Belmont, like without a shadow of a doubt. But obviously, as a good mom, walking with the Holy Spirit, she's like, I need to pray and just ask the Lord to reveal it to Daniela instead of pushing it on her, which is so wise. So she was asking me to pray and then was like, You guys need to be roommates. I can already see it. And I'm like, Girl, you crazy. <laughs> And then through that process, I'm like, okay, no, I actually think this is right. And so, yeah, by the time you're right, because by the time we talked about it, I already like was confirmed you're supposed to go to Belmont and that we were supposed to be roommates. Yeah. So, well, thanks. Thanks a lot for not. The backstory is I didn't want to be a roommate. Yeah, great. Love it. <laughs> well, so at the time I had been accepted, I had like a full ride to do acting in a different school. And so I just like figured I would do that. But obviously my whole life was waiting for me in Nashville. My mom was definitely right. Um, so I just remember you sitting at the bar in our kitchen and you were like, you have to go to Belmont. We have to be roommates because then we can get all our stuff to match. And I was like, okay. Aww. Sounds she, like something I would say. She went from, I don't think I would be roommates with her to like, okay, now that we're roommates, let's get matched. Right, roommates. exactly. Like, and there was like color scheme. Daniela. Yeah. Yes. Poor Daniela is not a pink person, like really at all. I made our whole room be pink. Yeah. It was definitely an interesting uh, transition, but literally we were such fast friends. It was like, why have we not been best friends this whole time? And to defend Cammie, she was always very nice to me. So let me just set the record straight. 
She was not a mean <laughs> Thank girl. You. She was not Regina George. She was just extremely popular and I was extremely not. And so we just didn't <laughs> run in the same circles. It's just like the fact of life in high school. I was, but we did like overlap a little because we were both in the arts. So I was in everything theater, choir, show choir. And she was doing some of those things as well. So that's when we would overlap. And we always got along for sure. But I was dying yeah. laughing because freshman year, um, somebody had asked us like what, our past was or whatever and I was like oh yeah we had like some classes together and uh like we went on a like cruise together and Cammie is just looking at me with blankest face and I was I realized that Cammie does not remember me in, in and she did not believe that I was in her English class with her for an entire year and this is a small English class this is our senior year. So this is not that long ago because this is freshman year of college. <laughs> um, it's a Quest English class, which is like the creative people. And so it's small. It's like no no more than 30 people. And she literally did not know that I was in class. Uh, but what's funny is if you can't tell, like I'm very um, outgoing and I'm not like a fly on the wall. I would do like these outrageous projects. I would make like movies with my friends. Like I would perform songs for the class and like the fact that you literally had no recollection of me I was like it was so beyond me and then to top it all off we are talking about this choir cruise and Cammy is like you were not on that cruise and I was like yes I was I was there like and there was only 30 people on this cruise do you even go to this school? yeah literally that's how I felt I was like I do um and so uh Literally, Cammy wouldn't believe me. And she was like, well, I remember your mom being there. And I was like, would my mom be there as a chaperone if I was not there? And finally. Which that was the first moment where I was like, okay, yeah, that, that, makes, that sense. makes sense. That makes some sense. And so then I go and look at our Facebook accounts. And at the time, I don't know if you can still do this, but you could do like a see friendship and like see the photos you're tagged in together. Like one of the first photos we're tagged in together is Cammy. And all of her friends on the choir cruise wearing ball gowns. And they're, like, posing so pretty. And in the background, I am standing by myself in a black dress, like, staring at the ground. And I was tagged. And I was like, see, I was there. And that was my Honestly, final proof. Danielle is not exaggerating this at no. all. We're going to find We have to find this photo. photo. We're going to find it for... Um, for some advertisement for this podcast Please, you can make it like the profile photo for this episode but I was just dying. and I thought it was so funny and I was literally never offended by it and so I would tell everybody because they thought it was funny and then I like didn't realize how it painted Gammy so then I had to start saying like no she was very nice to me she just didn't know I existed because I'm laughing because like obviously Daniela is like thinks this is hilarious and it was hilarious like we laughed so hard about that photo I remember just crying. literally crying on the so floor hard. Yeah, literally, I was like, this is the best photo I've ever seen. But I'm like, you know, for somebody in, in freshman in college, like no one cares if you're popular in high school anymore. Like that all of that goes out the window. So if you're a high schooler listening and you're popular right now, you're about to start over. Doesn't I'm matter. So sorry, no one cares. Doesn't matter. And so as she's telling the story, I'm like realizing I'm like, oh my gosh, this makes me sound like Regina George. Like I was like Queen B and like I didn't have time for Daniela. And it, it is funny, though, because I don't understand, like, how I don't remember these things or how 
we weren't friends. And it's hilarious now because all those people I hung out with in high school don't keep in touch with any of them except for like Samo and my obviously husband who I married from high school. But you and I are like inseparable and like have walked through so much. So it's so weird to me that we weren't friends in high school and I had all these opportunities to you missed out, you, you know. I didn't really know you. I totally missed out, and so it's just funny to look back and be like, "Yeah, we did all this stuff together." But I was convinced you were making it up. I was like, "You were not on that cruise." Like, I don't remember <laughs> that at all. And you were like, "Kimmy, yes, I." What was. if that was true? What if my mom was like, "Bye, I'm gonna go on your choir cruise without I'm going you." On your choir cruise, you can't come. So funny. Thank the Lord that since then we've made plenty of new memories. Oh, yeah. And actually, okay, so the reason that Amanda and Danielle know each other so well is y'all had, like, a lot of quality time together. We did get a lot of quality time. What year What year was this? It was I when I lived in California. 2004. So three years probably. Years I was going to say more than that. It's at least been six years. But... No. Well, you've known Danielle for a long time, but I lived in oh, California, yes. like, four years ago. Oh, oh, oh okay, okay. Well, oh, yeah, yeah. That weren't we sense. driving my Jeep out, out to L.A., right? And I started... My, I had a place in LA starting the year 2014. Okay. So yeah, basically I had been wanting to go visit Cami, and I had stuff that I was bringing with me. So it was going to be hard to fly. But I had just moved to California. That's yes. what it was. And you were coming to help me decorate my little yes. shack by the beach. Yes, I was coming to help decorate. And I was like, wait, quite a few things like this is going to be hard to fly with. And then somehow Danielle and I got connected because I knew that were you driving from Nashville to LA? Yeah, so I was driving our car out there so we'd have a car. This must have been 2015. Um, and I didn't want to do the right. whole thing by myself. And so Ben Pospisil drove with me from Nashville to Dallas. And then I picked you up in Dallas and we drove from Dallas to LA. And we had not really hung out before that. <laughs> So suddenly yeah, we well, that's like, like a very like 36 hours let's get together. To know each other. We go through Joshua Tree, we do a photo shoot. Like we bonded so <laughs> hard. I forgot about that. I was like, you, we can't go through as like being a photographer. I'm like, we can't like just casually drive by Joshua Tree and not stop and take some photos. Oh, yeah. like, <laughs> we were so like bonded for life after that trip. Honestly, that was a bold move on both of our parts to be yeah. like, let's do this. I'm committing to this time in the car with you. And then this is hilarious. We tried to find like, because you lived more in like West Hollywood area. or You live in yeah. Silver Lake, which is more Hollywood area. And I lived in the South Bay. And so we tried to find like an area in the middle, but neither of us had lived in LA. I lived there for like a week. And we picked, all I remember is me and Steven picking Amanda up at the sketchiest <laughs> McDonald's <laughs> in yeah. downtown LA. And I'm like, we're all going to It was like stopped. in Compton. Like, and it was. It was not a wise choice. And it was one of those things where, like, none of us wanted to say anything. And, like, I wanted to, like, hang out with you guys and, like, be like, Daniela. But I'm like, we actually need to go. <laughs> and yeah, it was actually, late at night. It was, like, the middle of the night. Yeah, it was, like, it was the middle of the night. And we're, we're in this parking lot. I just remember being like, mm, we could have picked a better place. This is so – I don't remember all those details. But now that they're, like, getting relived, I'm, they're slowly coming back to my memory. And that's really funny. I completely forgot about that. That's one of my favorite things about having friendships for as long as we've all been friends is, like – not those big moments that everyone remembers, but remembering like those yes. small little weird memories that you're like, why were we doing that? Or like, what were we doing? How like, we get you know, I think of like our, our freshman year in college. And like, this is just a little side note, because we love to do those on our podcast. But we had an RA, which is like, obviously a residence assistant that like kind of manages the hallway. And she was leading this Bible study that was like, we're like so excited. We're like new freshmen. We're believers. We're like, okay, we need to go to our hallway Bible study. That's like what good Christian girls would do. 
and we go and like unfortunately she like was like brimstone in hell and like basically telling all of us we were going to hell for like everything we did and like Daniela and I like sat in the bible study and we're like looking at each other like um this is really bad like this is not and then it became like this thing where like we like we like kind of had to avoid our RA because she kept wanting us to come to bible study and we would just like hide behind our, she would like knock on our doors and like bring brownies. And like, we would literally hide and pretend like we weren't in our dorm because we were like, we can't go to this <laughs> We didn't know how to get out of it. <laughs> Which is like, so not, not you at all now, especially if like, you're so bold. I feel like you would have been like, hey girly, love you so much, but, but this is not, not the God. <laughs> I would totally. <laughs> You'd be like, love you, but love no. You, uh, okay. So Daniela, one thing we do, which you probably know, um, is that we love to start our podcast out by discussing what we're drinking from Starbucks. And so currently Amanda and I are drinking Starbucks because she lost a bet on uh, mm-hmm. last week's episode mm-hmm. where she had to buy me Starbucks for the next Twice. few times. So mm-hmm. everyone, just so that you know, the Starbucks was purchased by Amanda mm-hmm. today. She did follow through. I am a woman of my word. She is. She texted me this morning and said, okay, what I do you want? want? <laughs> and I was like, thanks, girly. <laughs> so I am drinking currently a tall decaf macchiato. And I said reg- I said regular macchiato because I feel like when I just say macchiato, they she get me the assume, caramel. She assumed it was caramel. I had to tell her no. And I don't like the caramel because yeah. I don't like I do not like caramel, which is weird. And so I but the but why I got a macchiato over a latte is because a macchiato is basically a latte, well at least at Starbucks. I don't know what it's supposed to be, but yeah. at Starbucks, it's a latte with the um like kind of flipped upside down. Mm. So the um shots of espresso go on top, which nice. for decaf I prefer, I've noticed. Because it makes it taste a little yeah, stronger. Yeah, that's right. And then I did one pump of hazelnut, and it's really good. You're the so hazelnut. You. I literally I had hazelnut. no idea. Wait. You- yeah. So this is this is what I realized about Starbucks is like, which I'm sure like our friends like Courtney and like a couple other friends of ours who have worked in coffee shops that are like more legit and bougie than Starbucks is like I will say that this is what a macchiato is, and they'll be like, that's actually not a macchiato, <laughs> and like. Like, I'm like, Starbucks language is not. Is like, Starbucks language is its yeah. own thing. Yeah, it's kind of like saying, like, a cheeseburger is, like, just what you would get at McDonald's, right. probably. Yeah, exactly. But in my opinion, this is what a macchiato is, and I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah. And I am drinking my usual but, like, accidental discovery drink, double shot on ice, <laughs> Starbucks double shot on ice. We discovered this drink because – did I order it or you? You ordered something totally different. And they gave me this. And they gave you and this. And I was like, this is amazing. Kim was like, this is amazing. So she drank it. But in pregnancy, I would not recommend it because it's a lot of caffeine. I can't wait to drink it. It's so good. Very soon. Daniela, what are you well, drinking? Well, I'm currently drinking black coffee, which is what I drink twice a day every day. But. Which is so it's cool. I was going to say, Daniela, do you know that you're such an artist and you just drink black I coffee? I am. I am such a, a quintessential, a- like, broody, like, eight on the Enneagram artist. That is. That is you a, really are. That is an artist drink. Let me tell you. But I will, also, her husband Chris. Chris is so sweet, and he makes really good coffee. I he will does. say. He so, taught me though. That's one um, of my quarantine skills. Is I now do my own pour overs every day. But today he did make it. Wow. Yeah. But when I'm on the road and I do Starbucks, I always get just like a regular old latte. Just, just plain, plain old latte. Wow. No flavors. You might be, I think you're our first. Really? You might be the first. I love a good latte. Also an artist move. Yeah, and Starbucks, plain lattes yeah, are good. that's why yeah, I get them. Good. And I don't like sweets or anything, so I don't get anything in it. And it honestly tastes good. Like, I don't have any, I have no qualms with their latte. 
Do you change the milk? Nope, just a regular old latte, basic across you know, the board. You know, what's really funny is I've been hanging out with my sisters a lot because they're home um, because of, you know, COVID-19. They've been hanging out and they have this like really funny saying that they do where like, like you said, I don't like sweets. And so my first instinct was like, they would be like, you are so skinny. Like, you're so skinny. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the, so like, like for the other day, Regan was like, I want to get a popsicle, but I don't want one of the creamy ones. I just want like I one of those like ice ones. ones. And Quinn had just gotten finished saying she wanted like a cookies and cream one. And she like looked at Regan and was like, you are so skinny. Your sisters <laughs> are so funny. Like I want them to have a they show. So I would watch it every day. I, we're going to have them on a podcast. We're doing a podcast okay, soon. Good. The Christian Kardashians. Stay oh tuned. my gosh. Yeah, stay tuned, guys. This is just a preview. The, aren't the Kardashians Christian? So it's kind of a. They yeah. are. I know. I, I know. actually thought we, about that. You could say you're the white Kardashians. So. There you go. There you go. Or the I non- guess they're kind of because, white wait, though. They are technically white. Because y'all. Yeah. Wait. Are, y'all aren't Armenian like them. Are no. You? I wish. But people think you people are think sometimes. sometimes. People think we're. We need to say that. Irish. Kardashians. That's so lame. That makes us sound like leprechauns. <laughs> well, we'll come up with a better name by the time we reach that episode. Stay tuned. Uh, okay, but Daniela, I would like for you to give us, now we know you as the coffee drinker, the roommate, the Enneagram <laughs> 8, the, Enneagram eight, eight the brooding artist, but I would love for you to kind of share the professional side of Daniela Mason. I, I guess we introduced Daniela Young before, but now... Who is Daniela Mason? Yeah. Tell us about who she is. I like is. that differentiation there. That's cool. There are it two is. sides to me. Um, yeah. Is. So I am a singer, songwriter, and actress. And I have been an independent artist and then a major label artist and then back to being independent over the course of the last decade. Um, and I've really had to learn how to navigate everything in between and I've had to learn how to run my own business and um, really run my own label and then I've had to learn how to be a part of this like large system that um, can really drown you and then find myself along the way and and so um, wow. since graduating or I guess before I graduated from college I'd released two records and gone on tour and got married I kind of like was obvious that I was a workaholic in the making um, even then. Uh, and then since then, I released another three records. And um, my most recent project that I'm sort of in the middle of, even though I'm paused, which we can get into that, but um, I started this project called the State of Mind series. And it's made up of four EPs. And the first two and a half are out. The first one was Emotional State which was followed by mental state. I'm in the middle of physical state. And then the last installment is spiritual state. And it's basically outlines just my journey to healing and wholeness and everything that I've been through sort of encompassed into this project. And emotional state really starts it off because that's really what happened with me. Once I was willing to sort of open myself up to my emotional life, that's when my growth really began. And Cammie can probably attest to this. Like one of the ways that I coped with my mom's death is I sort of just resorted to um, getting things done. Like I, I kind of became the matriarch of my family. And so I sort of yeah. became the problem solver and the go-to for everything. And uh, I still am that in a lot of ways for my father and my brother. Um, but I 
just sort of like dug into like getting work done and and writing, creating, working, um, and busying myself with everything that I could. Um, and for me, it was tasks, it was goals, it was um, <clears throat> lists and achieving all of that. And it really wasn't an adequate uh, escape from my emotions, but of course, it will catch up to you eventually. And so um, it all kind of culminated a couple of years ago and just all of my fears and emotions all caught up to me at once. And um, I had to, I was sort of forced to face myself and, and make the decision, like, am I going to build my walls taller or am I going to tear everything down and, and look at what I'm made of and, and really get to the bottom of things and start to dig up these things that I've buried forever and expose them and heal from them and move forward. And so that's what this whole project's about. And I'm definitely still in the middle of that journey. Um, but I can kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel. I can see the growth I've had and, um, the wisdom that's come from it. And, um, and so I really try to spell it all out in song and and be honest with my journey and and kind of release it out into the world and see if it helps anybody else. And that's kind of my that's kind of my thing. So no, that was I'm very impressed with the way you just kind of summed up ten years of your life. I was like, I'm gonna do that. I was like wow. But I mean, I wanna say as like a, a close friend and just somebody who's gotten to watch your process, like I, I feel like you did sum it up so well because, yeah, I think – I mean, how old were you when your mom passed away when we were freshmen in college? I just turned 19. 19? Just turned 19, yeah. So our birthdays are, like, a week apart. So we always celebrate our birthdays together, which is so fun. Um, but, yeah, I mean, for, for a 19-year-old to walk through something like that, which, again, just your mom was such a incredible woman of God and just such a leader in your family. And you guys were so close – and she'd had cancer, was it like 12 years Yeah, so she had that? cancer for the first several years of my life. And then she was cancer-free for about 15 years. Um, and then it came back. And so she had mouth cancer uh, the first time. And then it came back as throat cancer 15 years later, very suddenly and rarely and very fast-acting. So it was very – even though yeah. like a lot of people were like, oh, well, she had cancer before, you know, was it a surprise? I was like, yeah. I mean, first of all – First time oh, she cool. was miraculously healed. We had no reason to believe that wouldn't happen again. And and also she'd been cancer free for so long, like nobody anticipated that it would um resurface. So And even her story, like she is just like Daniela. If you haven't listened to Daniela's music yet, I know you will after listening to this podcast, but Daniela has one of the purest, most anointed voices I've ever heard. Like it is kind of unreal the things that you can do with your voice, Daniela. And I know so much of that is just from even just in your bones because of your mom and who she was as a singer. But um, Daniela said earlier that she was healed miraculously and her mom was basically told she wasn't going to be able to talk or sing again. And she ends up still being able to sing, talking, teaching voice. And and then now it's getting to like, to like live through you, Daniela. But to walk through that at 19 – I mean, it's like, I feel like you can kind of go two different ways as in that like immature state of just being a 19 year old, like you're either going to like completely like recluse yourself and like, you know, fall, maybe fall into depression. Or, I like, did whatever, a little or of that gonna, like, too. Said, <laughs> which will that, that you grieve like yeah. a normal human, which is an, amazing because you needed to do that. But I also feel like you, you're right. You like, 
the natural thing to do is you're in college and you just kept going and you're like, okay, I just got to, got to keep on going with my life. And it is, it's so one of those pictures of sometimes what like you're doing, that's a good thing that the enemy tries to distort over time and just makes it not a good thing, you know? And it's like doing things in that time was a way to, to cope and to heal. But you're right. As you kept going, 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 probably before you knew it, you were like, I haven't even actually dealt with like some of this deeper stuff. And I love, I don't think I even processed until you just said this, Daniela, but I love that your, your like four part project is ending with spiritual state because for you, like your walk with God has been what's sustained you. It's what's grown you. And I feel like, but even now, even a believer, your whole life, like I'd love for you to share, even just like growing up on the mission field, but you're like, I feel like right now at 31, you're having a spiritual awakening in a whole new way, even after knowing God for your whole life. So I'd love for you to share that because I know like you're, you know, you've been doing pop music in the secular, which I hate that word sometimes, but secular world, you know, but it's like, even now God is teaching you something brand new. So I'd love for you to kind of just share that a little bit. Yeah. So I definitely have a, maybe a complicated and nuanced relationship with religion in general. Um, And it's been it's had its ups and downs and I'm very thankful by the way that um, I went through all of this because I feel like it's yeah. so strengthened me and it really brought me back down to my foundation and shored it up. Like I definitely think my house was built on the sound on the sand before uh, and going through everything I've been through has really made me take everything down to the studs and honestly rebuild my foundation. And now I feel stronger than ever, but basically I grew up on the mission field, so I grew up seeing, like, crazy stuff. I mean, I think I took it for granted, and I started to realize it was weird once I got to college. But, I mean, miracles in front of us and just crazy things, because just outside of our comfortable, like, Western Christian world, things are just crazy out there. And so I'm very thankful. Which, side note, we've talked about your mom, but we haven't talked about how your dad is yeah is this incredible missionary and like I think you probably did realize in college because he would come visit us and like your your dad would take us to dinner and like all of our friends in college would just sit around the dinner table and like just soak from his stories we'd be like tell us about this like tell us about that and you probably were like these are stories you've heard you're probably yeah, like, I'm like oh, I roll the guy getting like, raised from the dead normal. story like again <laughs> yeah cool dad <laughs> cool dad <laughs> and we're all and I'm t- you know our I, these are guests that we've had on our podcast too, like Kaylee Dickerson and Russell Dickerson and Rebecca Daher and like Parker, Mateo. Mateo Parker. Like we're all sitting at these, at these tables with Bob Mason and being like, who is this man? Like we had not experienced these stories yet. <clears throat> and so, yeah, for you, this is like just typical. Yeah. You know, life, but for both listeners, well, it's, it's funny normal. that you say that. Cause I think one of the tensions I grew up with was sort of the tension between the God I experienced on the mission field and then the God I experienced in Western Christianity. So I would experience this like almost contradiction monthly because we were missionaries that would go back and forth. So we had, we were based in Texas and we had a house in Texas, but we were back and forth from whatever region we were assigned to at the time and we would bring teams down. And so like we were sort of the go-betweens between like the missionaries who lived there for years and years and then the the givers um, in the States. And so 
when they were like, okay, we need to build a hospital, we would facilitate that and bring all the team members down and, and oversee the build. And so that was kind of like our job. Um, and then my dad's a preacher and a minister. So he would do like crusades and things like that. And, um, so I was sort of caught between this really visceral, um, very, uh, desperate kind of way that these people viewed God. Um, and he would just show up to them in such real ways outside of culture, outside of expectation. Um, and I would experience it in that way. And then I would come back to Texas and experience this like very different version of Christianity. And it really took me for a ride. It was really hard for me to sort of justify the tension I was feeling. And and it ended up with me going through a period in high school where I, I don't know if I could quite call myself an atheist. I was like maybe somewhere between an agnostic and atheist. It was very much just like so much doubt because I couldn't make sense of what I was experiencing. And I really didn't have anyone to talk to about it because my family was this like pillar in the community. And you know, like everybody looked to us to be like the exemplary Christian family. So there was never a moment when I could be like, hey, I don't know if I believe in any of this. So where does that, where do I stand now? So I kind of, I'm really glad I went through that though, because I ended up having this really real moment with the Lord in my closet where he like straight up showed up and like, I literally felt him hugging me, which is just so miraculous thinking back on it now. But I really had to have my own experience because I was really riding my parents' coattails up until that point. Like I was just sort of around for the amazing things happening to them. And I definitely witnessed everything. So I knew there was something there. I I always had this like baseline belief, like there's got to be something like I saw this person get healed or I saw this, you know, random kid's foot turn around in my hand. Like I had this sort of baseline belief and understanding, but I just, I couldn't reconcile so much of the religion that I was experiencing and so much of the culture applied to religion I was experiencing. And so when I kind of took a departure and really went through that process of questioning and then kind of experienced God firsthand, that really put me on the path that I'm on now. I'm so thankful for. And um, I've never turned back after that. Um, but I, I went through kind of an additional deconstruction in adulthood that never quite brought me back down to that level. Like I, at, during this deconstruction, I always believed in God, always believed in Jesus. But I sort of had to deconstruct everything else. Um, and that's really when a lot of my uh, pain surfaced. Um, the things that I hadn't dealt with. I really had to process my belief on healing and my disappointment that I had that my mom wasn't healed and like ask these hard questions. And I'm I'm really thankful for my husband because he was, he had kind of already gone through his own period of deconstruction and doubt and like had found his way out. And he really kind of navigated that by himself. Um, which I, I have a little bit of guilt over as I wish I would have been a safer place for him to come to during that time. But um, he was that safe place for me. And so I really had to process a lot of the pain and disappointment I had and deconstruct a lot of the American Christian culture that I had 
sort of adopted over time. And it was really remarkable because what happened when I stripped everything away, like what was left was Jesus. And he was just sitting there waiting for me, you know? And, and so now I feel like my, my perspective of the American church is such a a healthier one. It's a more balanced one. Like, I think I, I understand what is culture and what is not. And I also don't hold it against my culture. Like I'm a part of a very specific culture and we're musicians, we're creatives, our like faith life reflects that. And that's wonderful. That's how we But I, I can, I know culture and as opposed to thinking, oh, it's all the Bible. And it's like, no, it's not. The Bible was written in a totally different time. Their culture was very different from ours. They didn't like have, you know, lights and music and, you know, sound systems and screens with the words on them and altar calls and offerings. Like they didn't (laughs) have that, but it's wonderful that we do that because that's what we've developed as a culture. And as long as we know you know, the differences and like, what is Jesus and what is what we've developed around him? I I feel like that just cultivates this environment for growth and for, you know, knowing when you need to switch gears and when, you know, the culture is overtaking the faith. And so that's such a healthy view of that. Mm-hmm. I like I I love that you're saying that because I feel like you're right. I as you're talking, I'm realizing how many things we take as like a universal truth. Mm-hmm. That like I heard I don't know who said it, but I, I've said this quote multiple times. But I heard one time someone say, "If it's not true for a random woman yeah. in Haiti, then it's not true." And for I me. think yeah, like so that's so true, and that's universally true. It's not yeah, true. and that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why I'm so grateful for my upbringing because I think I've always known that. And that's why I had such a hard time. And granted, like I grew up in the church in the 90s, which historically is not our best decade. So there's some <laughs> things that like have had to be dealt with. But what I'm so thankful for is that I saw Jesus so early in his truest universal form, like you're saying. And so I knew, okay, there's something to this. And even if we get it wrong, and even if we treat each other poorly, and even if you know, we forget sometimes, like I remembered who he was and that really brought me through and has created such a like healthier perspective for me on the other side of it all. That's so good. And you know what I like kept thinking to myself, just from all different perspectives of, you know, the different people that are going to hear this podcast and just the different walks that they've had and, and hearing this, like, I just keep hearing through all of this, that it's okay to ask questions and it's okay to like, to, to, I mean, God wants us to come to him and ask him questions. And the fact that you grew up actually seeing, physically seeing like these insane, crazy miracles of Jesus and you still had questions. Like, I just, I love that for the people who have grown up with like a white picket fence, like never leaving the country, only knew like the Western culture, Jesus. And, and they're like, does God really perform these miracles? Like, I love that you actually saw them and you were still like, okay, but who is right. God in all this? Cause I come back to I come back to Texas and like, I'm trying to figure out which God, like everyone else's. That is such a good point. And I think I, I would love to say to anyone listening, like God is not afraid of your questions. Like he, yeah, I love you know, he says to come to him like a little child, like who asks more questions than a child? Like, 
children yeah, want to know so about good. literally everything like why is the sky blue what what is what is the white thing in the sky why did that person die like mm-hmm. why did that person not die mm-hmm. like and so I really think honestly like some of my most intimate moments with the Lord were when I literally felt like I was sitting with him asking him why and I didn't always get mm-hmm. answers um it's not like I came out of this season like you know, knowing everything. In fact, I think I knew less than when I went in, but there was this intimacy of knowing I could come to him with anything and that he would meet me there that really fortified our relationship. Kind of like with my husband, like I know I could come to him with anything and ask him any question. Nothing is off limits. And so I feel like, you know, a lot of churches have discourage the questioning and to me it's like your faith is going to be stronger because of it if your faith can't hold up to questions then you need to reevaluate anyways because it really should um like I don't get now like before I would get really defensive when I talked to people who didn't agree with me and now I like love it I want to know what do you think why do you think that oh I love that that's so interesting or I I don't agree with that but I see where you're coming from because I have such a confidence now um in what I know and what I don't know that like nothing can phase me like nobody like I was talking to a a guy last night who's an atheist and he was sharing like his journey And I just loved listening to it. And I was thinking 10 years ago, like I would have gotten into a straight up fight with this guy because I was so insecure in my like own belief. And I just like listened to him and asked him questions and like wanted to hear his story. And I shared a little bit of mine and not for one second was I like phased or like worried or concerned I didn't get defensive and that actually last night it's funny that we're talking about this now is like a moment when I realized how much I had grown and how strong my faith was because there was literally nothing that he could say that could shake me and my dad has always said this quote a man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an argument and I think when you've experienced God and you've gone to those like places, those dark places of doubt or questioning or, you know, and you've experienced the intimacy there, nobody can like talk you out of what you experienced with God in those places. Like I have been intimate yeah, with him. So like good. I know him. And, um, and so I, I'm just a believer in like, you know, go into those cracks and corners take your time. Like, don't do it all in one moment. You might have a breakdown. Like I've had a couple of times, but also (laughs) open yourself up to like, you could be wrong about some things, like have friends that don't agree with you. Like don't live in an echo chamber. You can't, nobody learns anything in an echo chamber. So like nobody grows. No. And so that's been like such a wonderful addition to sort of my walk is just being so like confident in my relationship with him that I can talk to anybody and hear anybody's story and learn from them and, and still remain. And I think that's been so beautiful. You know, I love about that too, is when you were talking, I feel like, again, it's bringing it back to just love and relationship because when I think of, and as a girl, I'm sure y'all can relate to this, but like, you know, those girls that you, you talk to them about their boyfriend and like, you know, the boyfriend's not good for them. And the second you bring it up, they get super defensive <laughs> yeah. and they're like, no, like he's amazing, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, mm. <clears throat> like that reaction in itself is telling me that you, you know, and I feel like so many of us feel like we have to do that with the Lord. Yeah. It's like, yeah. we feel like we have to defend him and like 
that like we because it's actually like what's actually happening is it's actually pinning i feel like when someone says something like that if we feel insecure in our own faith it pinpoints that oh it reveals it yeah and it reflects it in ourselves and it reveals it and it's like oh i feel like i need to defend that because i'm actually not even sure about it yeah and whereas when you're in love and you know like you could tell me anything like negative about steven and it would not change my yeah, love for him yeah. or how i feel i'd be like that's interesting you feel that way like i yeah. don't agree you know and, and i wouldn't feel the need to like to prove to, it to prove it to you because yeah. i'm like we're in a covenant relationship like mm-hmm. we are in it for forever and like we are one and it's the same with god like he doesn't need judge and jury like he is the righteous yeah. judge like mm-hmm. and it's also trusting not only trusting in him but it's trusting in his love for his people like i have to trust in his love for Joe Schmo that I'm talking to that, <laughs> that he's going to pursue him and reveal truth to him. And it's actually like the Holy Spirit's the one that does that. That's not my job, you know? And like, yeah. yes, there's times where the Holy Spirit is going to convict you to, Hey, maybe say this or lead you to, to have this conversation. But I'm like, has anyone ever won someone over in a Facebook argument <laughs> over the Bible? I don't think so. If you know somebody, let me know. So like, fun. But it's rare, you know, but to see it, to see love on display, like when you look at somebody and they're talking about God and in their eyes, their eyes are like loving Jesus. It's so contagious. And so like it it just it pinpoints something in you where you're like, I want to know that Jesus. But when you see someone who's like defensive and angry and like attacking you that doesn't make you want to know who they're talking about. I'm like, run away. I don't. Yeah, that's not the salt and light stuff. No, no. So you said a second ago, you talked about kind of deconstructing. And I know like there's been the deconstructing of your faith, but I've also seen in you, especially the past couple of years, as you've deconstructed those, like kind of the religion, you've also, I feel like deconstructed your identity into finding out who you are as a daughter and like, what's the foundation of Danielle and Mason, Danielle Young, like who is that person? And that's been a crazy journey to watch as a friend it's one of those things where and I can say this boldly is I've never questioned the call on your life like Daniela you guys when you hear her sing when you watch her reach audiences do anything musical write a song it's just obvious that she was created to be a creative like that's just who you are and you ooze that and it's one of those things where you are called to like huge big things it's just obvious when when I've gotten to know you and just seeing the platform on your life but it's easy in that situation to be like, okay, that's my calling. I need yeah. it to happen. And and I feel like you have so many gifts and so many different things you can do that I've watched you over the past, specifically year, honestly, deconstruct those lies and what that looks like. And you've come to this place where you are the most like surrendered, humble, like laid down version of yourself I've mm-hmm. ever seen that like the past couple of times I've seen you, I'm like literally on, I, I think we cried last time at your house. Cause I was like, who are you right now? Like God's done such a work in your heart. Aww. And it, it wasn't even a work that I knew needed to be done. Like, that's the crazy thing. It's like, I wouldn't have thought before, like, wow, Daniela needs to go through a, a life crisis. Yeah. Because, she like, really needs some work yourself. over there. Like, <laughs> you really need some work here, but I feel like you've just followed the voice of God. And it's like the epitome of from glory to glory. Like, you were in a great place, but he had better and more. And so I just would love for you to share about that specifically in this time, because I feel like so many people because of quarantine, because of COVID, like are losing. I wrote this in a blog post for my church the other day, but like when we can't be doing our doings, we are just becoming beings. And like, what does that mean to just be still before God, to just be a child of God and to not be what we do? 
And I feel like you've learned so much about that over the past year that I feel like it's for such time as this to speak to people who are just now at the beginning of that. So I'd love for you to just kind of share your heart on that. Yeah, you know, so my pastor says this quote quite often, and it's something along the lines of, if you are the one to make it happen, you will have to be the one to sustain it. And that's really resonated with me because on my journey, I've realized a lot of my workaholic tendencies and my need to control and uh, create things and maintain power over my environment. Um, And that definitely comes from like I lost something so dear to me and I felt so powerless at a really formative time in my life you know, 19. Um, And so I think if I wasn't going to be like this before that, I definitely was going to be like this after. Um, It makes sense that I turned out this way. Um, But what I had to kind of come to terms with, and I really took the long way around, um, was that I'm actually not capable of whatever it is that God's called me to do which is kind of an interesting perspective to have. Um, Because for years, I literally tried everything in my career. Like, there is nothing left for me to try. I have done everything (laughs) in every way. Like, I've done the major label thing. I've done the indie label thing. I've, you know, like, gotten all the best producers I can get my hands on and the best mix guys and the best mastering guys and the best PR. And I've had, you know, like huge moments of PR and like everybody, when something like that happens, will be like, Oh, this is the moment that it's all going to change. And then the next moment was the moment it was all going to change. And then the next moment was the moment it was all going to change. And then it just never actually all changed. And so I think at some point I was like, I actually can't do this. Like, there's nothing left for me to do. I've spent all of my money, all of my my energy, all of my passion. And it's not like I was, like, out of the will of God. I don't feel like at any point I was, like, off the path I was supposed to be on. I think I was on the path I was supposed to be on. I was just trying to do it in my own strength. Like, I just had such a hard time, like, relinquishing control. And when I realized last year was that my ambition um, and my career was really idolatry for me. And so I, I really held this, even some of the prophetic words over my life, I realized that they had become idols. I, I like remembered different things that had been spoken over me my whole life and I just put them on such a high pedestal. And then I would... Like, as if I know exactly how this all should go down, as if my imagination is big enough to imagine what God has planned for me, as if I can get out. That's so good, And so I just kind of realized, um, because last year, God really is a sneaky guy up there, because he, uh, I started (laughs) volunteering for my church more. Um, And what he did was he sort of tricked me into... Um, my workaholism going into volunteering and I kind of like accidentally took on being creative director for our church conference. Um, 
And I like started pouring myself into that as I do. And what would happen is every time that I chose to work like long hours, like a sacrificial kind of way of volunteering, something in my career that I had been trying to make happen would just happen out of nowhere. And so this started to happen. This happened like three times in a row before I caught on. And I was like, ah, I see what you're doing, Lord. That, And this is everybody's (laughs) lesson, by the way. Like some people need to learn how to work harder. Okay. So this is not for the person that like. That's the word. The person who's sitting on their couch looking for an excuse to stay on their couch. This is not for you. (laughs) This is for the the rest of us. Um, And so he started kind of showing me like, hey, I want to do these things for you because what I have planned for you, you're not going to be able to do. And so for a whole year, that's really like what my life looked like. And it all kind of culminated into this last January two, three, three months ago. And I just felt like I was supposed to stop everything. And I was supposed to start a sabbatical um, because I was really just having such a hard time not falling back into my workaholic ways and I really had to like almost cleanse myself and quit cold turkey like it sounds like I'm talking about an addiction in a way I am um so in January I stopped everything related to like my career and my release plan and my uh you know name and brand and um I'm starting to potentially dip a toe back in right now I'm I'm having trouble in all honesty. I'm really having trouble with balance. I, the idea of like co-laboring with Christ is something I'm really struggling to grasp because I, I just don't know what it looks like for me not to strive. So like you can ask my husband, like I'm sort of like an all or nothing person. Like I'm either extremely highly productive or doing absolutely nothing. And so um, this quarantine has mostly looked like me watching Boy Meets World on my couch. Um, but I want to be the person that can, like, you know, have boundaries with my work and do my part. And faith without works is dead. But I also want to be able to be still and know that he is God. And it's been a journey. I, I, I'm not at the end of it. But I feel I can tell you this. As soon as I went on, on sabbatical, I had had eczema on over my entire lower half of my body and it was gone within a week and I was like okay there's like this stress that I've been living under this anxiety this like low grade sort of power struggle that I just forgot was even there because I knew that feeling so well and as soon as it I like relinquished that from my life and I relinquished the striving like literally it had built itself into my body and it was manifesting as eczema and it was literally gone. And I was like, okay, I need to work through something. Wow. Wait. And Daniela, can I just say, like, after hearing just parts of this story, you, you co-labor with God more than you realize. Because even the fact that you in January were like being so willing to hear his voice and say, okay, I'm going to take a sabbatical. I'm going to take a step back. And then he shut the world down. Like it's true. Yeah. Very true. Like like you wouldn't have been able to like that. You were able to come to him so willingly and do that yourself willingly versus it just being like coming to a halt for you, you know, and it being out of your hands and instead of like willingly 
handing it over to him because he had something bigger in store. I mean, that's what you did instead of being like it taken completely away, being like, what the heck, God, I was just getting started. Like you were just starting to hand me all these things. Like you willingly, even though you were getting things, things were starting to happen just by you volunteering and like, you know, in wanting to be more involved in the church and like taking on projects voluntarily. I like, he gave you, he gave me the thing, like your, the desires of your heart and you still were willing wow. to give those. Yeah. I didn't even thought about that. That's, that's <laughs> a good word. I mean, well, that's the thing Danielle, and I know I texted you this, but exactly what Amanda was saying, like it blew my mind, just the journey that you've been on that by the time that this whole thing happened globally, you were a step ahead. You were almost like pioneered it with mm. the Lord for yourself. Like, so that you now have the platform and the and the wisdom to speak to people who this was not something that they were right. knowing they were going to step into. Mm-hmm. And, and even you saying a second ago that you you were watching Boy Meets World, like that sounds so small, but as somebody who knows you so well, Daniela, a couple of years ago during quarantine would have had oh, three 100%. albums come out. <laughs> you would have like been oh, yeah. writing six songs a day, like for sure. Like, and so the fact that you are taking note of the season that God has you in. And I just feel like that's is a word for somebody listening. Like there are some of you who, who God is calling you in this season to create and to use the time like that you've been given to do more things. Like this is why he's given it to you. But there are some of us and I'm in this category being very pregnant at this moment that this is just yeah. a time of rest. And he is literally just giving us a Sabbath time to say, Hey, like this is time for you to lay down and to just be with me and to be with me yeah. while you watch Boy Meets World and to be with me yeah. while you sleep in and while you have great conversations with your husband and drink yeah. amazing pour over yeah. that you're now learning how to make. Like, you know, for me, this sounds so silly, but I was telling Stephen the other day and I literally cried about this because I'm pregnant, but I've been wanting to learn to curl my hair since I was in high school. This is the genuine <laughs> truth. I, I'm spoiled rotten with amazing friends. So at any big event, I've had someone else curl my hair for me. And I've never had to, but I've never valued myself enough or time enough to just sit down and to be like, I'm going to take this time to learn to curl my hair. And it sounds so silly, but I have always wanted to know how to do that. And during this quarantine, I have Annie! learned to curl my hair, curl my hair multiple yes. times so for no reason. Knowing you personally, I know, so I know this is a curling. big deal. <laughs> it is. It's it's a big deal because I'm like, I'm not even curling it for like a thing. Like I'm, I'm curling it in my you. home, yeah. you know? And that sounds so silly, but to me, that's like growth. That's and so silly. I feel like for some of us or some people listening, like there's just things that you need to do for you that have no other reason other than just like creating a firm foundation of knowing that yeah. you are not what you do. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you have completely like you're still in the process. We all are, but you've completely just embraced that. And so I would love for you to just like what I mean, we're going to close up here because we've been talking for a long time, which it seems like not a long at all, which is kind of crazy. Um, but what would you say to that person who like does yeah. not know how to slow down? Like, what's your what's your advice and like just even testimony of like how much better it's been for you as a human? I definitely being? think for the person who doesn't know how to slow down, um, you're going to crash eventually. You're gonna hit a wall. So if you can mm-hmm. control your slowdown, purposefully coast a little. Um that's going to be healthier for you because you're not going to end up in a, a breakdown. And I know this because I would be the person that would literally, I would be a freight train from breakdown to breakdown. And 
to be able to sort of grow in that self-awareness of of knowing when you need to slow down and and pumping the brakes a little um I, that's my first advice to to the person is is to pump your brakes a little um and and try to coast a bit and for me what this time has done that the sort of headspace I've been in since January that I've started to share with people as they're navigating it now with the world on hold. Um, what's happened for me is that as my work has diminished, um, I've been given the gift of time and there's so many moments that give me an opportunity for self-examination and sort of self-reflection and, what I've realized is that there are so many things that have like been said to me in passing or judgments made against me that I've been unknowingly trying to prove wrong for like years. So it's like this one person said to me one time, like you ask for help too much or something. And then suddenly I know it was like this one moment we were like carrying things and I like asked I don't they might have even been a joke I don't even know but somehow and this came back to me recently like this was like probably 12 13 years ago and it came back to me and I realized for like years now I've been not asking for help because of this one thing that someone said and and so spending this time with myself as as uncomfortable as it can be it's been so healing because I feel like these moments of like it's like I'm sozoing myself kind of like these moments throughout my life that have sort of shaped me are coming back to me and I'm realizing that like I've been like reacting to these things unknowingly and so it's sort of just been this like you said this moment of deconstruction where I'm taking away these layers and realizing why I'm doing the things that I'm doing. And when I start to take, peel back these layers, I'm, I'm seeing like what is left and who is this person at the bottom of all these expectations, all these judgments, all these things, positive and negative that have been spoken over me. Who was I before all of that? Who am I at the bottom of all of it? And when I look at that, I see like, I see a generous kind person I see a disarming person I see like these kind of deeper qualities that get lost in all of you know the product that I I put out into the world all of my like curated aesthetically pleasing like brand that I put out like there is this higher way of thinking that's way beyond all of that and so when I look at like who I am and who I've become without a product. And I, and, and, and in some ways I look and I'm not happy with what I see, but in some ways I look and I'm like, I've, I've really grown. Like I've really, I've survived. I've, you know, even thrived in, in moments where I, I should have crumbled. And, and so it really starts to just reveal the person that I am and, and as opposed to the product, yeah. and I think as a musician, this is hard because I am actually also a product. Like Daniela Mason is a product and a person and a wife and a friend and a daughter. And it can get confusing which one I am and 
you know, how I present. And I've, I've really had to relinquish a lot of control. And like, I, I, I do care what people think of me. I wish I didn't. But it, it for me, it's a control thing. Like, I want to control the perception. I want to appear a certain way. And it, yeah. it's not even like, necessarily an untrue way I want to present. But the fact that I'm worried about it in the first place is still, you know, it just shows what my heart is really saying. And so this whole time for me has just been an unraveling of all the expectation. And I think especially as women, we get so many judgments cast on us. Like, you know, you can't be a mother and have a career. Oh, how dare you want to just be a mother and not have a career. It's like, you can't, there's just nothing. It's so good. You, you can't be right 100% of the time. And you always have someone judging you and you always have someone saying something about you or putting something on you. And if you don't tune in to what is happening when it happens, it will guide you. And so that's what this time has yeah. been for me. And that's my encouragement to people who are really feeling lost without their careers or without the output, um, without their product, is what start to examine what brought you to where you are, what made you want to do this. And you'll have good reasons and bad reasons. And then start to peel away those layers. Like, who were you before that person said that thing about you? Who were you before that judgment was cast on you? And who were you before that expectation was placed on you by yourself or others? And you'll start to see the, the, the root, the baseline. And then I think if you can care for that person, like that young self that really like didn't stand a chance with all that judgment and the world kind of crashing in on them. Like if you can kind of care for that young self of, of, who you are I it's really it kind of paves the way to just build a new foundation and then when you start putting everything back up you'll notice that your house is sturdier and stronger that it will withstand more and then when you start to output again you start to work again it's not you're not striving to hold your house together because your house is strong yeah and I don't know if that analogy is really delivering how I wanted to, but that's really been a journey and that's my advice. No, we, I think that's, I think that's amazing. And that's, I mean, that even resonates with me. So, I mean, I know it's going to resonate with a lot of different people in different ways, just like whatever season they find themselves in right now. Um, but our question for you and kind of like a challenge that we want to leave our listeners with is um, where do you see yourself going like after this? if at all, if you see yourself going in like a specific direction or do you kind of just think like, okay, God's going to like make it very evident when the world kind of picks back up or like, where are you at with, you know, it's funny you ask because just last night, what, what's interesting is during this time, I will say I've noticed that like desires have been very loud. So like, I'm also an actor and that's like one thing that I've, consistently put on the back burner as opposed to music and literally like it with every show that I watch every trailer I see like my heart is bursting and I'm like I I want to tell stories like that like my desires are like so loud I'll listen to a record like I was listening to the new London Stella album and I was just like bursting I was like oh I want to I want to make music so again good. like 
And I will say it's been a while since I've had like my creative desires evident because I was so like in the machine before. And so I was just like talking to God last night and I was like, Lord, am I ever going to get to do any of these things again? Because I really did like lay down my version of my future. And when I started this, I really didn't know how it was going to end. I was like, if God tells me to lay everything down, I will. Because honestly, I've got nothing left. I'm way too exhausted to keep trying. But now three, four months in, I'm like, Lord, I I actually really do like, want to create. I want to tell stories. Like, am I ever going to get to do that again? And I really kind of had like this mourning moment. I'm like almost going to cry talking about it. And I just like heard him say, like, can you just stop? Like, I'm giving you a time to rest and you're going to need to be rested for what comes next. Yeah. So please stop. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I will, Lord. Danielle, that's such a word. That is like literally such a word. I feel like just for our entire world to hear right now, it's like we have we have no idea what tomorrow brings, much less the next month. And I really feel like just this common thing that the Lord has been telling everyone yeah. is like, can you just rest? Like, can you just rest for this season? Because yeah. you have no idea what I'm springing forth. And I feel like that's just such a word for everyone to hear no matter what season you're in because we can all use rest like clearly god is kind and of and i I, I really kind of heard him say that. like you are going to miss this time if you do not just like take the yeah to rest and i was like living it for me it's like even when i'm not doing something my brain is super active so like i'm just it feels like i'm always doing something so like with me having these like minor existential crises of like Am I going to ever do this again? Am I, you know, that is using a lot of my energy. And so I I felt him say just like, can you just rest and be with me? And what's been really cool, even an extension of that, and we could probably close on this is um, the other day I sat down to do like a Bible study because my pastor has been doing these Bible studies on her Instagram. And um, I sat down to do it and I felt him say like, stop doing something. Just stop. Like, I was, like, about to, like, do my thing, check off my list, like, and he was, like, can you just sit here with me? Like, do not even open your Bible. Do not open your devotional. Sit. And I kind of felt, like, a little bit of, like, a kind scold, and I was, like, okay. And so I ended up just, like, sitting there for, like, three hours, and I felt him so close, and I just cried. I just sat there and cried. And I, I realized, like, he has probably been craving a moment with me like that for years. I cannot tell you any other time in my life when I have wow. had the time, one, and the willingness, too, to sit there and not even do something in, like, reading my Bible or doing a devotional or writing something about what, you know, I've been learning for the, you know, the people who need my wife's words, like in all of my arrogance, you know, it's like, just sit there and be with him. Like, that's what he wants. And the amount of healing I got in just like those that's three so hours, good. I like came out and I was like, oh my, I feel like I just, I, I feel like I'm different. Well, there's a song that Amanda and I like always sing and like talk about that's Bethany Dillon, our favorite girl. And it there's a line in it that says, you can do more in my waiting wow. than in my doing I could do. And I feel like you can do more in our resting even. And like yeah. when you were saying that, I was thinking about 
just I always like go back to like my relationship with Stephen because that's like probably the deepest love I know besides the Lord. And so it's easy to like learn from that. But I'm like, man, if every time I was with Steven, wow. I was like, okay, here's our to-do list. What are we doing? Like, we're having an intense conversation. And we never just like sat together in silence or like cuddled or like. Or just laid there. Just laid yeah. there together. Yeah. Like, what kind of relationship would that be? Like, yeah. if I, you know, and because I feel like the deepest relationships are the ones that you yeah. can sit in silence and together. And not say anything. Yeah. Yeah. And not say anything at all. And I. I just feel like, yeah, I want to end on that for our listeners because I feel like some, you know, one thing that I love about our podcast is we never really know where the Holy Spirit's going to lead it. And I feel like a theme that I'm just hearing from today's episode is just trusting him enough to rest, like trusting him enough with your calling, with your heart, with your life, with your dreams to know that if you have to, to break it all down, it's going to be stronger building it back up than it would be if you just kept going. And I just think that's so powerful and you're such a living testimony of that, Daniela. And I love that you don't know where it's going next because like that's the mystery yeah. of, of Isn't going that with the him. gospel. Yes, right? It's yeah. like, but it's gonna be good. Yeah. And that's what we know. And so guys, we just hope that this episode bless y'all as much as it's blessing us. And I just think it I am waiting. I'm so expectant for like the DMs we're gonna get of just specific women and and men who are like, this was for me, like I needed to hear this. And so, you know, maybe it is, it's pressing pause this next week because we don't know when this is going to end. And I said this to Amanda before we even started, I was like, nobody, in my opinion, is going to look back on these few months and say, man, I wish I did more Zoom calls or man, I wish I did more like video games. Like they're going to think, man, I wish that I would have sat, just there. sat there more. I wish I like walked outside more. I wish I had more dinners with my family. Like, you know, and so I just feel like you're getting to experience that and forerun that for us. And so Daniela, we love you. We're thankful for you. We bless, <laughs> you. We bless you in Jesus name. Well, I love you guys. And I'm but so really, thankful yeah. that really you do. would have me on. Thanks for being so vulnerable. Yes, and it was so beautiful. Guys, um, if you want to connect with Daniela, which I'm sure you will, um, her Instagram is at Daniela Mason, and we will tag her in all the things. And hopefully this week she'll do some takeovers for us on our Instagram so we can get to know her better. But um, Daniela, you've blessed us. And if we're the only people that care, that's enough for me. Then so, you know what? God, I you love it. Yeah. I'm thankful for that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>